The world is changing at a rate like never before. So, why isn't education? Strayer University is revolutionizing higher education to help you finish your degree. We make transferring credits simple, create binge-worthy course content to keep you engaged, and design AI-powered tools to help you graduate. Welcome to the future of education. Strayer University. Out with the old school. Strayer University is certified to operate by chef. I don't think there's any other way to do it. <laughs> That's staying in there. Hey, I'm oh. Chris. <laughs> and I'm Dakota. Hey, you spent your week with your head in the clouds, and now it's time for us to bring you Down, Down to, to Nerd. Nerd. Yeah. All right. There we go. Hey, All ladies right. and gents. Welcome to this week's episode of Down to Nerd. How you doing, Dakota? I, I'm doing well. And yourself? Hey, right. fine and dandy. Ooh, fine and dandy. Yeah, hey, it's always good to have the and dandy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I think uh, this week um, we've got a pretty interesting episode. Um, it's it's they the two topics do have something to do with each other, so hopefully we won't um, uh, trespass on too many of the same issues. But uh, uh, what you're looking forward to, or what we're gonna explain, is the Google Duplex. Uh, which that was unveiled a few weeks ago at Google's IPO, right? Oh uh, yeah, it's uh, oh, what are they? What are they? I call forget what it? they call it. Yeah, it's totally. I'm having a memory block. Like we're gonna be halfway through this. I'm gonna be like, hey, that's what it's called. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, Google I/O. No, I got the it. Google I/O. Okay. Yep, yep. So, so they unveiled this Google Duplex, which we'll get into in a minute, and then we're also going to talk about um, this new uh, GDPR which if you have an email account and you have any sort of anything on the internet anywhere, you've probably gotten 50 emails in the last two weeks about this thing. So if you, if you want to listen about that, uh, stay tuned and we'll talk about that at the, like either the second half or the last like two seconds of the episode, depending on what happens. So I think, uh, Chris, Chris, you watched the, did you watch the whole Google I/O, or you just watched your boy uh, Marcus uh, his uh, like review of it? Well, I did see Marquez's review of it. I just watched the highlights. The Verge does a nice little uh, truncated, like you know, like Google I/O in thirteen minutes. You know, so kind of broke it down into just you know the the highlights. Where, as far as I'm concerned, Google Duplex was the star of the show. I mean, we can. <clears throat> you know say oh yeah android p you know is great and everything and that's really cool but i really i think duplex was the star of the show uh, as far as the highlights that i reviewed so so before we get any further so duplex is this essentially the next level of like google assistant siri alexa like it's essentially an ai powered version of those where right now they kind of work in isolation and it's not necessarily through a very powerful AI like the duplex is going to be. Oh, definitely. I mean, duplex gives us a look into the future. Uh, you know, it's not available yet. It's something I think that they're slating to make available sooner rather than later. But uh, it's definitely, you know, evidence, I think, for us as somebody, you know, who got to live, uh, you know, through our adolescences, you know, within the 2000s and uh, the first decade, uh, you know, through the 2010s, uh, 
just, you know, kind of getting to see tech evolve, this is really evidence of next generation technology, uh, you know, most definitely. So uh, you want me to kind of explain what it is and how it works? Yeah, definitely. All right, cool. So uh, with Google Duplex, let's say you need to make an appointment to get your hair cut, uh, which is one of actually the examples they provided. Um, you just say, hey, Google, uh, go ahead and schedule me an appointment for noon on Monday uh, to get my hair cut. So everything seems all you know good and fine, but what happens is Google Duplex initiates a call on your behalf to the hair salon where you want to get your hair cut, and it poses as a real-life person. Uh, right. You know what I mean? It sounds authentic. They've added an ums and ahs, you know, to make it sound like a person who's trying to ponder or think when you're settling on the time. Uh, you initiate this, uh, you know, by talking to your, you know, your Google Assistant, and it takes care of the rest where you don't see it, but it's posing as a person to schedule the appointment for you and then adds it to your calendar. Um, I think the, the uh, just, just a little addition there, I thought the really either clever or neat like interesting piece of technology or whatever however they worded it but it said like i just just remember this very clearly and it like stuck out to me it's like it the assistant said like i need to schedule an appointment for a client so i thought that was like it kind of like separated in and it wasn't like it's not making it doesn't it's not impersonating you per se but i mean maybe it could but it it was like I'm you know I'm calling on behalf of this person so you know so it gives you a little bit of extra like dissonance you know to like you know it'd be like if I'm having you call on something else for me like you're just like yeah like I just know what I know like I don't know anything else so it's kind of you know it makes it even more of a human interaction I think. <clears throat> Definitely. I mean, it feels very human. And and while in the first example with the hair salon, the second example, uh, what they did is they uh, were making reservations for dinner. Uh, They didn't have any of those implications, to the best of my memory, where they were saying, you know, I'm doing this on behalf of somebody. That Mm -hmm. one, they more so posed as the actual person trying to make the dinner reservations. Uh, But I really think the thing is, you know, on one end, it's the Google Assistant that sounds like a very authentic human. And on the other end, on both instances, it was a person, you know, who quite genuinely believed that they were talking to another human being. Right. And why Why wouldn't you think you'd be talking to another person? Like if something calls and it sounds like a person, like I'm not, I wouldn't think of anything different. Right. No, not at all. And I'm the same exact way. You know, I work in retail. I answer the phone frequently at my job. Uh, if I were to receive either of those calls from the examples provided, I I would not know the difference. I would think that I'm talking to a normal person and I would interact with them normally. Uh, right. But with that, uh, while it is stirringly exciting and amazing technology and truly the evolution of AI and the voice assistant, um, my goodness, I cannot get around the implications just ethically uh, of what it provides. How do you feel about it, Dakota? Uh, I I agree that there's definitely some ethical impl- implications of it because if it's if it's this good, like at just scheduling appointments and just doing like basic stuff, like I would think that that would almost 
replace, if not most, but all of like telemarketing or like if you're calling an 800 number or something like that, like it can, the AI would take care of that base level interaction that you need. Like, um, like I, I've got an issue with my phone and the data needs reset or something. Like if I call in, it sounds like a person. I think I'm talking to a person and then it's basically taking the, that first brunt to figure out what my problem is. And it's like, Oh, Hey, uh, sorry, but I, you know, I need to talk to my supervisor or let me send, let me send you to my, uh, manager. Um, and then they can take care of it. And then that like pushes the phone to an actual person who has the power to do it, you know, but that just cuts out that whole, you know, like I said, like the front line or of, uh, the telemarketing or the phone call. So that could potentially eliminate a lot of jobs. So, uh, I don't know. Is it, is it Google's responsibility to do no evil, even though they've just recently removed that from their, uh, from their standards or is it, uh, the responsibility of the government to protect jobs and protect, uh, people because like, that's kind of what a government does is like serve the people. But you know, if a company wants to cut costs and, and one way to cut, you know, an 80% of the businesses, uh, expenses is on salary. If they can purchase this AI program, the telemarketing version of the program, then they would save a lot of money and be able to offer more services or cut their costs or, you know, X, X, Y, and Z. Oh, definitely. And that's one direction of implications, you know, especially, you know, in like the call center source. But, uh, you know, one of the ways I look at it, and, and you make many great points that I haven't even considered, it's, you know, it, it really is a position where it could eliminate jobs. Uh, but on the flip side of that, <clears throat> I kind of look at receiving the calls. Uh, you know, let's just say, you know, right now, sure, it's just scheduling appointments and that's, that's neat and great and everything. But I look at that technology in the point of what if I received a call and, uh, let's say for instance, uh, I have a discover card and I receive a call one day and it sounds like a very authentic human being. Um, and it says, hi, I'm from discover card. Uh, I need your credit card to verify some information. I need the, the number the security, code and the expiration date. Now, while there's a lot of people who may be like, well, boy, I shouldn't give that information over the phone. Uh, you know, I look at it as if, if a very authentic sounding person, you know, you know what I mean? Like to the point where it's, it's a rich, you know, uh, American accent, mm-hmm. you know, it, it sounds genuine. They've got the ums, the ahs, you know, everything for convincing. It's like, I, I look at this on the flip side where I know it could replace a job for like, customer service support aspect but like from a telemarketing aspect we're like outbound calling to make a sale or do something like that it it's a little frightening to me because i would receive a call and if somebody you know a computer that was being managed by god knows who was asking those questions and i thought it was something like you know discover card or pnc bank or what have you i may give them information or be more willing to provide information uh, you know, rather than, you know, getting the automated call, you know, like, hello, this is a message from, you know, whatever, you know, and and so I know that's one of the big ways when I saw that it affected me. I was like, oh my goodness, I just don't know. I can't discern, uh, you know, with that. And so, uh, you, you know, with that, 
Google definitely has a responsibility with that product. And more mm-hmm. so the way I look at it is, do you think if this product launches, you know, and, and it goes, you know, and becomes a real part of what it is. Imagine, Dakota, that you're in a customer service position. We'll, we'll just place you, um, you know, in a, in a restaurant for this example. <laughs> um, and you get a call for a dinner reservation and somebody's going back and forth with you you know, about what time it should be. Well, uh, well, I really need it to be nine o'clock, you know, for a mm-hmm. dinner reservation. And it really has to be for a party of seven. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, if you didn't know it was a real person, would it bother you? I mean, would you much rather prefer that it said, hello, I'm the Google assistant and I'm acting on behalf of a user. Right. You know, but I think, I think the, uh, was it, was his name? Marcus, Mark, Marquez, Mar- Marquez, Marquez, I think he made a good point in his video where he said that if if the if the voice or whatever like announced itself or identified itself first, people are going to hang up. So so if it goes like you said, like if if it if I'm receiving a call, hi, I'm a Google Assistant calling for, I, w- I would hang up because I think it's a spam call. But you, I but I feel like. You know, you can't really lie to people, but are you really lying to people? Because, like, it's just a phone call coming in, getting a reservation. Like, the the intent behind it is very benign, um, but I can see the the malice that it could be used for. And um, just, just to back up a little bit, for a PSA, uh, it's always recommended that you never accept a call from anybody that claims to be the institution like if you need to confirm something you call them like look on the back of your credit card and then call them like don't ever accept a call from someone definitely um, good guy dakota to... making that so, psa yeah. so there's that <laughs> psa we'll put that in the description as well um but but yeah like i don't know like I, I the intent is benign but like i said there is there is a potential for the malice because what if like the google assistant someone ha- hijacks your phone and it calls for you to your bank account and once and tries to make a transfer to an offshore account that can't be traced or it's it, someone ha- again hacks your phone and calls the bank and it goes hey like i uh, you know i've got john smith like he's going to come in for me he's going to pull out some cash for me like i totally authorize it here's my um banking information here's my password you know because all the years of google storing and collecting all information (laughs) like they have all that and who's to say that they don't authorize like it something malicious like that happens and authorizes that that you know fraud fraudulent transaction no absolutely no you're totally right you know and that's i I think i tangented it off like would it would it bother me i don't know if i'd know the difference so i don't even know if i if it would bother me because i wouldn't know well, right. Well, let's say, well, before I move into the the kind of the follow up on there, you know, I really feel like, you know, it, it is it is the implications, you know what I mean, how it's used. And it's something that I feel like Google would kind of have to go against themselves and what they've been doing in a degree with the launch of Google Duplex. Um, this is just something that I just genuinely don't believe should be an API for others to have access to. You know, it's really something that I think should be closed and maintained because it is. It's perfectly safe and fine for something like reservations. You know what I mean? Or setting up an appointment. 
Mm. I don't think people are going to have a big problem with that. But the moment it has an opportunity to do anything else, it could really cause a lot of trouble for, you know, a lot of different users who are perhaps a little too trusting, you Mm -hmm. know? Yeah, I definitely agree. And I think uh, it could be said, too, that there's, like, with more and more people maybe, like, relying on texting. Like, like I, like, when I get an appointment confirmation from my dentist, I get a text, like, the day before, and it's like, oh, like, I'm confirming this. So it's like, are people, like, getting desensitized to where they are kind of making appointments without talking to a person? Like, Kylie and I just went for a really nice dinner, like, and I just made, I went to Yelp. I made a dinner reservation for 6 p.m. for two people. Hit yes. And I never talked to anybody. Like, I just put in the description for our first year wedding anniversary. And we just showed up, like, hey, I've got a party for two. And I never talked to anybody to get that initial reservation. So, like, am I already desensitized to where, like, I didn't call anybody to get that going. So, it's like, if I just tell my little assistant thing to have it call for me, like, that might not be as much of a step because I can already do it online and it's not with another person. Oh, and you're absolutely correct. I mean, desensitizing to that, we're definitely all in progress of that. Uh, And it's a little bit curious to see what that may look like a decade down the road. Uh, This is definitely a little bit of a tangent, but you know, you think about it, you look at even what a company like Amazon is doing or what Google is doing, you know, with the duplex. And then you look on the flip side where Amazon, you can have same day, one hour deliveries at the click of, uh, you know, your trackpad or a tap of your Mm -hmm. screen. Uh, You know, we're getting to a point where, uh, you know, I think within uh, the next decade we encounter, you may not have to interact with anyone at all if you play your cards right. And how good is that for society? You know what I mm-hmm. mean? It's like it's getting the ball rolling and it's so convenient and it's so cool and no one can deny that. Uh, you know, is is a lover of tech, I'd look at a technology, you know, to get back to Google Duplex. I mean, and I just admired it. It's like, wow, I can't believe we can do that. You know, I remember when the iPhone 4S came out and Siri could tell me how the weather was. And I was like, that's pretty freaking cool, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and And now it's like you're telling me that something can make a call to somebody else on my behalf. Uh, mm-hmm. discuss, do the haggling back and forth to agree upon a time uh, you right. know, and go on its way. But it's like, <clears throat> it gets the ball rolling, but but when does the ball stop? You know, it, at what point is it like, wow, we're doing all this and we have all these conveniences, but uh, I don't know, you're taking an accounting class right now, you know, Dakota. One of the things you always learn about is the diminishing point of return. You know, mm-hmm. it's just like, at what point do all of these super great and neat things happen, but it's like there is literally a diminishing impact on our society. Uh, and I'm not speaking in the context that it affects everyone, but even affecting someone is is notable. You know what I mean? Right. You know, and that's, and that's, I think we talked about it a little bit, um, with our like autonomous, uh, vehicle podcast a few weeks ago, or I guess it'd be a month ago now. Um, but like what that, what the autonomous driving, like that could eliminate a lot of jobs. So yes, it's great for business development and it's creating jobs in that sector, but it is eliminating a lot of, um, you know, unskilled labor essentially. Like, you know, don't get me wrong. Like, truck drivers are amazing, but that's not, 
it's not something, it's not a high skill position where you're developing programs, you know, to operate the truck and, you know, designing the camera and doing all this stuff. It's just a different um, type of labor. And I think, you know, in the United States, I think we're on the path to eliminate almost all of those, um, you know, un, unskilled or I think that's the wrong term for it. Just like a, just the, just the physical labor force. I think we're shifting from that blue collar to white collar. So that's going to have a huge, um, I think it's already had a huge impact on, you know, society and like health. Like look at, you know, we're like the unhealthiest nation in the United, you know, in the world, you know, based on our gross domestic product and like our, our availability to healthcare and foods, but like, we're like not doing well in like birthing rates and like, like mortality rates and stuff like that. But I think that's, I think we're digressing, but, um, if, if you haven't yet, and I always harp on this, but you got to read Fahrenheit 451 when you get the chance, Chris, and, and with our listeners, it's very good. And it kind of almost talks about a lot of how people are getting desensitized by getting bombarded by like, you know, podcasters like us and just like, (laughs) um, just not knowing what to think and like being told what to think. And like, it's, it's, it's very interesting, very dystopian, but it's really cool. And it was, it was really interesting because it was, sorry, last thing, it was like written like 60 years ago, like before people even had cell phones or like screens or anything. And like he, you know, Ray Bradbury, like kind of like depicted what's happening right now, which is kind of interesting. Oh, certainly to a degree. Uh, you know, I did have the chance to read that book all, all the way back in high school, but uh, oh, you I got to read it again, man. Oh, definitely. I understand. Well, I will say, uh, you know, and we're definitely on a separate tangent from Google Duplex, but (laughs) um, one of the most impressionable moments, which I can recite to you to this day, I haven't read that book in quite literally, oh my God, I'm so old, Dakota, a decade, over a decade. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Um, You know, but when I read that book, the scene, uh, it's near the beginning of the book. Uh, As a matter of fact, it may be the opening scene um, where the wife... Uh, of the protagonist in the story uh, overdoses on pills uh, trying to unfortunately, you know, check herself out. Uh, And basically uh, animatronic bots come in, pump her stomach, put her in the bed and say, you know, have a good day. You know, your bills in the mail, you're alive. We saved you. Like that has stuck with me after all these years. I remember reading that and it's like, Oh my goodness. Like, like in just the, the writing of, you know, uh, Ray Bradbury, it, it put me in that room and it's like how frightening it's like, you're at a point where like even a decision of life or death is not in your hands is mm-hmm. the way I always felt about that scene. It's like, she didn't have a choice. You know what I mean? It was like, no, you're fine. And we're going to bill you for it. Thanks. <laughs> You know, and I know that's so far away, you know, from what we're getting at in a slippery slope, but it's like, you know, we are moving in a direction for things where conveniences and automations can be done for us that we may not even think about, that we might not even be ready for, you know, in Google Duplex, uh, which it certainly ties into our AI episode to a degree, Mm -hmm. uh, is just, we are on our way. Google Duplex is the first thing I think that you or I, Dakota, in our lifetime have seen. That is a very, very strong indication of things can be done for us by technology that we have not fathomed at this point. Yeah, and I don't know if we'll be able to fathom. I mean, that 
that could almost be a topic for another episode. Like, like, like kind of like what you're saying before about like the logistics that Amazon uses. Maybe we'll have the whole, just a whole Amazon episode where like how they're, they're so integrated into almost every business aspect. Yeah. I think that'd be a good additional episode, but well, maybe we'll take this time to segue into the uh, privacy again. So this is again, kind of like alluding to, we had a, another podcast. Uh, oh, so Dakota, privacy. Quick, before you jump into privacy and about oh, the yeah, privacy yeah, yeah. policy, you know what we need, right? Bongos. Oh, we need bongos. AF. <laughs> Worth it. There we go. Uh, so, <laughs> so to go back before, uh, well, like we mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, um, you've probably gotten about 50 to 70 to who knows how many emails, uh, these last few weeks, um, citing this GDPR. So this GDPR is the General Data Protection Regulation. And it is uh, essentially a law that was put into place in Europe. And why we're getting emails in the United States is because a lot of companies have uh, business overseas in Europe or their headquarters are in Europe or they've got sister branches or whatever. So um, from what I understand is that they're just taking it upon themselves to proactively uh, incorporate these policies uh, wherever they have business. So that's why we're getting many, many emails based on that. So, and, and basically all it is, is to protect um, the privacy data that they can't, businesses can't sell it for malicious reasons. So kind of like, it almost kind of counteracts what the end of net neutrality is for the United States. So maybe this will help with certain companies that would sell it. However, I did see that uh, Facebook and Google were both being fined by the European Union for like eight point eight million dollars or something because they're violating already this general data protection regulation right i don't know you know it's um, yeah what do you think about that (laughs) (laughs) oh you know i don't know i mean i think it's good you know that companies are you know coming out and putting stuff in place you know it's really weird to get all these emails i know being on the consumer end and just a normal person i have quite literally just dismissed all of them, you know, but it's like, you know, there is a degree when it comes to privacy, uh, privacy policies, uh, that we really should make ourselves more informed about and what we're agreeing to. And I wish there was an easier way to get through all of that legal mumbo jumbo. Uh, you know, one of the things that directly comes to mind, um, have you ever seen, uh, the South Park episode called human Sentipad? Oh man, you know, I think I've seen clips of it, but I don't, I have not seen the full episode. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of part of it that are, uh, you know, complete garbage, but, uh, you know, I don't know. It's not my, one of my favorite episodes or whatever, but, um, you know, one of the things that it really drives home is you agree to something and you really have no clue whatsoever that you're agreeing to uh you know so it's like yeah sure all these privacy policies are coming out you know to be compliant with you know this new european you know agreement and everything like that but it's like it you know when can companies maybe make things a little bit more like you know bullet points these are the major changes we're making 
take a look at this. You know, we recommend it, you know, encourage readers to see what they're agreeing to and not mm-hmm. so much make it because we privacy policies just really as a whole or just something you you skip to get to the next step you do whatever it takes to make it go away and you just agree uh you know and then we all get you know sidetracked i mean think about it we have major you know countries you know coming back to companies for their privacy policies and what they shared and honestly the companies did stuff that we agreed to right. you know what i mean it's like we don't it's agree like, with this? it now you know and we yeah. feel that yeah yeah we feel like our you know ethics and our beliefs have been challenged and like this is super not okay but like jokes literally on us as the consumer it was totally okay the whole time because we agreed to it but you know at the same you know Oh, here it comes in the same vein, <laughs> you know, um, you know, we, uh, <laughs> you know, we're, we're kind of asking for it, you know, it's like, we're okay with it. But then as soon as we find out whatever we thought we were okay with, cause we hit the agree button is not okay. There's all these major, you know, legal battles and, and literally governments are getting involved to say, Hey, wait a minute. That's not okay. But it's like, not even the government super knew about it. I mean, do we have people reading these, I don't know, several hundred pages or, you know, very, very long, you know, things? I mean, I feel like they're just coming out of legal departments and we're like, okay, great. You updated your privacy policy. Neato. Uh, and hopefully right. everything's on the up and up. Uh, or are we really taking the next step? And uh, I don't know. Do you think there's any kind of corporate responsibility to maybe making that a little bit more accessible to us than reading through, you know, 70, 80 pages of legal mumbo jumbo? Yeah, I don't. I, I, I think I think you've made a good suggestion with having just basically just having bullet points at the top of uh, maybe the terms and conditions like, hey, like just just the main maybe maybe 15 bullet points and it won't take you more than two minutes to read. Like just for an example, um, you know, Apple, you know, we're, you know, Chris and I are Apple nerds. Um, I just look, I just copied and pasted the legal, um, terms and conditions, uh, for the, just the Apple media services, terms and conditions into readometer.org. And it would take approximately 33 minutes to read the whole document. And that's if like you're just a normal person reading, it'd probably take you a little bit longer because you have to go back and reread stuff like and that's like just that's way too long. Like nobody's going to take an extra 33 minutes when they got their new shiny iPhone or laptop or iPad to take the time and read that. Like there's just no way, you know, because like we're going to do the exact same thing. We're going to, you know, you can either reject it and not use the advice, the device, or you can accept it and use it. So I think, I think it would be good to just have bullet points like right up there. It's like, you know, refunds, um, your privacy, um, like the content, um, redownloads. I don't know. Just like, just summarize each of these crazy long sections to just a, a bullet point or two and that way people have the opportunity to read it and it's much more manageable format than this very intimidating very long um document and go, going back to bradbury uh that kind of contributes to everything getting summed down 
in we're just getting little bits and pieces of everything. But that's another again, that's another sidebar. <laughs> yeah, totally. You know, it, it's uh, you've made a really a lot of great points there, Dakota. You know, it, and it is. It's just like I just can't help but envision a future where it's like. Uh, you know what I mean? Hey, take two minutes to read this over before you proceed setting up your new device. You know, it's very large. It's very clear. Um, mm-hmm. And it walks you through and it says, hey, we're going to share your information with other companies. And this is what we're going to share, you know, and why we're going to share it. You know, and something just very clear, concise, easy to interpret. Uh, you know, and because and, that's kind of where I'm at. Just like, sure, I'm getting all these emails. I'm dismissing them. You know, like I said earlier, you know, they're going straight into the trash and mm-hmm. anything I sign up for it, I just hit okay because I want to use it. You know, it's just like, you know, I don't know when I got my new iPhone, it, exactly what you said. I didn't read it. You know, I hit the agree button, you know, and it asks you the second time, like, are you sure you agree to this? It's like, well, heck yeah, I want to use my iPhone 10. <laughs> Let's go. You know, like I'm more so I spent more time setting up face ID than I did. You know what I mean? Looking at the privacy agreements. And and I think that's a problem. And I feel like the clearer we can be, the more we clear out the legal mumbo jumbo, the more informed the rational consumer can be. And the better off we would all be. So, you know, even though we're doing this and there's this big movement with all these emails of privacy policies being updated, it's not the answer. And I really think we need to continue to look for the answer. And and, and honestly, what we discussed here today, I I think is a step in the right direction. Yeah. Yeah. Well, just... Just remember, Chris, the uh, the, con- the contradictory statement is the rational consumer. People typically don't make purchases based on emotion or do any decision based on rational thought. Or they make they make purchases based on emotion and, and not rational thought. So it's like, you know, they have these big long-term agreements because people are very sue-happy in America. So if they don't like something, like, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of CYA. You know, there's there wouldn't be these huge terms and agreements if people didn't try to sue for every little thing like, Oh, you gave me, you gave my kid access to all these in-app purchases that I didn't authorize. Like, guess what? I'm going to sue you, you know? And then that's what happened a couple of years ago. You remember that case where like, like Apple paid out people because their kids bought in-app purchases because they didn't have control over it or, you know, like they let their kid use their device, which, you know, that's, that's another can of worms, but you know, you need to have rational, um, uh, policies, you need to have rational people. And I don't think we're there yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, definitely, you know, I, we, a lot of us act on impulse. I know I act on impulse at times, you know, it's, uh, it's hard and it's hard to get ourselves into a position. You know, you're absolutely right, Dakota. Uh, I mean, we do live in a world where people are very quick to say, boy, if I can make a quick buck off of somebody else's mistake or lack of clarity, uh, you know, I'm going to take advantage of that. <clears throat> and mm-hmm. the the fact is we've gotten to a point, if that's the way we're going to be, um, maybe we just need our hand held a little bit better. You know, it's just like, you know, there's stuff, you know, the way I behave online or through the products that I purchase, you know, I just kind of live in a way it's like, well, if there was some day that a company were to go, hey, 
you know, we're just going to share everything that happened to you and it's just going to be public access, uh, mm-hmm. which I know is so dystopian and uh, unthought of, you know, and I don't plan on it happening anytime soon. You know, I just kind of anticipate, boy, I just need to use my technology in a way that I would have to be prepared for that to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, <clears throat> uh, not everybody is that way. And I mean, honestly, I hope a lot of those people get found out for obviously super unethical things but it's like <laughs> uh you know it's just really at the end of the day the the big overarching thing here is it's like what we're doing we are if we were playing a football game right now and you know it was corporations versus informing the consumer of what they need to know we're running the same play over mm-hmm. and over we're just doing Hail Marys over and over and over, you know, hoping that somebody in the end zone catches the ball. And I feel like most of them get caught, but you look at something like Facebook, it didn't happen, you know, and I'm sure, you know, like we look at the, the implications of Google duplex, hopefully it happens. Maybe it won't. I don't know. You know, it's just, we really need to put ourselves in a position uh, where I I really dump the responsibility, you know, at the corporate level. They need to come back to us, you know, and say, this is what we're going to do and why we're going to do it. And, I mean, for the, you know, quote-unquote rational consumer, uh, you know, <laughs> which we went on there, is just, you know, for, for the consumer, it needs to be digestible. It needs to be genuinely digestible. Listen, I don't have a law degree. You know, you don't either, though. You could probably get one. You know, <laughs> uh, it's just... I I don't know, you know, you shouldn't have to have a law degree to go through a privacy policy. You know, you it should be accessible. The main overarching concepts should be pointed out uh and we should be able to say, "Boy, I agree with all this." And if there was something that for whatever reason you were uncomfortable with, you could decline and maybe that product or service isn't for you. You mm-hmm. know, but obviously I understand the reason why it's that way, you know, it's you just didn't agree, you move on. But, right. But, you Actually, know. Um, I just had a thought. Like, what if? And then this is like another tangent. Like, for those uh, terms and conditions, what if there was like each section had something was summed up, but you had to click through or accept each particular, you know, subsection A, whatever. Mm-hmm. Talk about this. Like, okay, you kind of like you read this summed up section of this. Like, you have to click yes. Like, in in light of all of these, you know privacy things coming out like you have to go through each section and confirm that you're accepting whatever they do well you know i i see something in that direction but even if it was in multiple tabs and it was still paragraphs to read and people just click through i would (laughs) i'm not gonna lie you know what i mean i just be like again you know you look at it you know you open up that shiny new product you're so excited for you you know whether for me you know it's an iphone 10 it's uh you know a nintendo switch uh you know a home pod you know going through the setup whatever it is i'll tell you right now the way it is even if i had to hit it five times and it was still long i'm just gonna get to the thing where i can see the new product there isn't that intimate solution that really holds the consumer's hand to make them better informed, mm. you know, and, and that's what I think we really need. And, and really to me, 
uh, it just boils down to it has to be digestible. You know what I mean? Whether it's it, it just in small amounts and it's like, well, if you need to read the whole thing, I guess you can see it here. But it's like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know, because even multiple tabs, I just feel like. And I'm just coming from my over. perspective. It would be yeah. skipped over because I just feel like I would. It's like, like, and I guess that really is the question, you know, that we're leaving on is it's like, you know, when you get that shiny new product or that really cool service, you know, that Apple Music, that Spotify, what I pay $10 a month that I can listen to all the songs and the whole entire, you know what I mean, that I could possibly fathom, mm-hmm. you know, except for band music, I ride that struggle pretty hard (laughs) with my music ed degree but um you know i I digress you know it's just like you want to use this exciting new service or product that you've encountered and you're obviously interested in it because you've purchased it you know right and it's like but you have to make the customer understand better what you're doing you know and i've even seen i don't know if you've seen it from like apple but like i noticed that when i did some uh recent software updates it's like i open up like the tv app or i opened up apple music i got like a notification saying hey when you see this this means this is an app that's going to use your location or it's going to collect data you know Mm -hmm. if you're not okay with that you should review the full privacy policy so there's there's moments of steps in the right direction but but we are definitely far from the answer i think right yeah and who knows how long it's gonna take to get there uh, i think i think with that we'll we'll leave on that um slightly dystopic um uh, sentiment and uh we'll we'll actually we'll ask our listeners how many times you said overarching i think that was the theme uh this time the last episode it was in the same vein so we'll see how many times you said overarching in this one. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, yeah, we definitely left on an ominous note, but, I mean, it's really an ominous subject. Yeah, you know? it is. So definitely. Well, uh, I'm glad I'm here saying words multiple times. Thanks for catching it, Dakota. Of course, every time. Absolutely. Well, guys, thanks so much for listening. Uh, you know, you can find us pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts. Uh, Dakota pretty much set it up that way because he's the man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We're on every major social media. Uh, I need to get my act together. I have a YouTube video I really need to assemble for everybody uh, about the Oculus Go, but that's a different story for a different day. But you, you've got you've got two YouTube videos. I want you to do one for that uh, Philips Go, and I want you to change my mind on it. Oh man, I'll tell you when we're done with this, I'm ordering a tripod, putting it on my iPhone, and I'm going to change your mind because that Hugo changes the game man i love that thing i use it every day yeah for multiple different things so we'll definitely have to do that hashtag not sponsor hashtag <laughs> please sponsor us <laughs> oh shoot well I'll tell you, that calls for some sideman strut but is. i'll tell you guys thanks for being here for another week sorry we missed you last week we had a little stuff going on but yeah and uh, and please leave some reviews drop us a line um let us let other people know what you think of us Yeah, and guess what, guys? Thanks for listening, too. Down to nerd. It's the Labor Day preview sale at Mattress Firm. Get a king mattress for the price of a queen and a queen for the price of a twin for savings of up to $600. Take home your new Beautyrest queen mattress for the twin price of just $4.99, plus a free adjustable base. Visit mattressfirm.com or a store near you to find your perfect bed. Hurry in for the best deal of the season at Mattress Firm.
Offer valid with qualifying purchase. Restrictions apply. Valid at participating locations only. For offer details, visit mattressfirm.com slash sale. It's cutting into your exercise time. It's stabbing you in the back nine. And it's attacking your peace of mind. It's pain. And it's getting in between you and the life you want to live. CBD Medic targets your pain at its source. It's fast-acting relief with active OTC ingredients, plus the added benefits of THC-free hemp oil. Get back to your life with CBD Medic, available online and at CVS. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease.